Welcome to the Buick Outdoors Podcast. I'm your host, Sheldon Marion, and on this podcast, we dive deep into the outdoors. We discuss hunting and fishing techniques, give you tips and tricks, tell stories, and everything in between to help you enjoy the outdoors. This podcast is brought to you by Northbound Gear. Northbound Gear is designed for maneuverability and durability and is made to last through even the toughest of elements. My go-to for their pants is the Water Resistance Adventure Pants and their lined, waterproof jeans. I've worn them while out ice fishing, crawling through the woods, bear hunting, and on the west coast out on the boat. And I even wear them around when I'm having a lazy day at the house. They are that comfortable. They also offer jackets, summer pants, backpacks, and many more. Men's and women's sizes are available, and by partnering with One Tree Planted, you're planting a tree with every purchase. Check them out for yourself at northboundgear.co, and when you use my promo code SHELDON15 at checkout, you'll receive 15% off your order. That's northboundgear.co and promo code SHELDON15. Hey everyone, welcome back to another Buick Outdoors podcast. If you're new here, I'm your host Sheldon Marion, and before we get into this, if you're watching this on YouTube and you want to listen to it on the go, uh, just search up the Buick Outdoors podcast on all major podcast platforms and you'll find us on there. Also, if you are just listening to this and you want to watch the video version, uh, head over to our YouTube channel and you'll see a little podcast playlist and you can watch this one and every single other one that we've uh, pretty well ever recorded. But anyways, guys, we're going to get into it here now. Uh I think spring is here. I'm not exactly too sure. Uh, the weather that we've been having has been just up and down like crazy. Uh, in April, it wasn't too, too bad. But then uh, pretty well the last week of April, getting into this first two weeks of May, has been just brutal. Uh, hopefully, the snow that we just got is kind of like our typical May long weekend snow. Uh, I've been trying to tap birch trees and make syrup and all that stuff, which we end up, uh, we did get that all done, but, uh, the snow and sleet and rain definitely did not make it, uh, easy or overly too enjoyable. It was, it was a bit of a struggle this year, but we got her done and, uh, it's been about, uh, tapping birch trees, you know, almost every year. Uh, since I've figured out how to tap them, I've been out, uh, tapping birch trees and making syrup as long as I'm around because they only run for, uh, about three weeks to four weeks, uh, in the springtime. Uh, you have to wait until the ground is thawed enough where the trees are actually starting to draw moisture up from the ground. And then, uh, as the moisture is going up, you tap into that inner layer of tree kind of between like the bark and where the tree starts there's that real thin layer right there where all the nutrients and stuff kind of goes up and you tap into that uh what i use is a 7 wood drill bit and a cordless drill and the reason why i use the 7 uh drill bit is because the taps i use are half inch by half inch male by male uh, hose connectors they're just little brass hose connectors you can get them pretty well at any canadian tire home hardware lowe's rona plumbing stores heck even walmart will probably carry them kind of a thing 
But, uh, yeah, when you use the 7 sixteenths, it's just slightly smaller than half inch. So in that way, when you put your half inch uh, connector in there, or your tap, it makes a pretty decent, good little seal. So then it all actually comes out the tap instead of runs down the side of the tree. Uh, also for a little container that I use for or a collector, whatever you want to call it. Uh, this year I just used a red solo cup and thumbtacks. Basically I take it, run a thumbtack through the red solo cup, whatever it is, maybe half inch from the lip. And then I put that uh, probably about two inches below the tap. Then that way when I go around and I collect my uh, syrup or my sap, I don't have to actually pull the cup off of the tree. I just hold the bucket underneath there. I grab the cup and I just turn it. The lip clears your tap. Put your uh, cup back onto the tree where it's straight up and down. And then you don't have to pull the, pull the pin every single time. And it just makes things a little bit faster if you do put close to the uh to the top and you have to pull the pin out every time it's not a big deal you're not doing it the wrong way or anything like that it just makes collection uh a little bit slower but that's okay do you want to become part of the buick outdoors team represent one of the best northern bc youtube channels and help us grow if you do then check out our brand new online store we have a bunch of new merch set up and ready to sell. We have everything from hats, shirts, sweaters, cups, mugs, backpacks, pillows, and the list goes on. It's also made for men, women, children, toddlers, and we even have something for your pets. We have several designs to choose from and a bunch of different colors and sizes. Head over to shop.spreadshirt.ca slash Buick Outdoors to check it out. That's shop.spreadshirt.ca slash Buick Outdoors and join the team today. Another thing that I, uh, I'll i use too, uh, depending on what tree it is, because some trees run extremely fast. Some, are, they have like one drip per second. Others, it's like you went over to a tap and you just turned it on. It's a steady stream coming out pretty well. But uh, some of them, I'll take a two-inch nail and I'll put it in on top of the uh, the hose connector, and then I'll have like a dollar store bucket, and I just hang the handle off the nail, and then it'll just steadily run into the bucket. And then those buckets too, depending on the size of them, but like dollar store ones, you know, they're whatever they are, six to eight inches tall, kind of three to four inches around, and they can hold almost a liter of... Uh, of sap and there's been a couple of times there's been a couple of times where I've gone and collected all my sap when I'm using using those buckets and uh, they've been overflowing uh, and when you're doing it like that you know you'll you'll collect a ton of sap in a very short amount of time and uh, yeah it works really well uh, for the red solo cups I like using them because where I top my trees is just right here on the corner. It's a 15-minute side-by-side drive over there. I can go there every couple of hours and empty them all out. Plus, they're small. They're packable. You know, I can take my drill, my taps, uh, my red solo cups, my hammer, and all my tacks all in one 5-gallon bucket. 
So for me, it's nice because I do do this just in the side by side. And then I got the dogs and I got the woman and got the 4570 and all that stuff. So I, I pack in a way quite a bit of stuff, but it's all kind of small. But uh, yeah, everything fits into the Ranger, no problem. Uh, when I've used buckets before, everything still fits, but then it's just a little more clustered. And if you hit a rut or whatever, a little too hard, all the buckets start scattering in the box of the Ranger. Then the dogs are stepping on them or the dogs are jumping out kind of a thing. So uh, when it comes to using buckets, uh, if I'm doing it in my truck kind of a thing, I wouldn't have any problems using small buckets for uh, for collecting the sap. But, uh, yeah, for me, with the side-by-side, -side, and I'm right close, Red Solo Cups is uh, definitely the way to go. Once as I get everything all collected, I bring it back to the house, and you have to filter it. Uh, not because it's dirty or anything like that, but there's always going to be a small ant, mosquito, a moth piece of bark whatever that falls into a cup here and there and then if you're like me and you have 25 trees tapped well if the odd cup has a moth in it by the end you're gonna have like 12 moths in your bucket <laughs> but what i do is i just take a clean five gallon bucket and i take either a game bag or a pillowcase and I drape it over the top of it so there's just a small little kind of dome in there. And I just take my unfiltered sap, dump it through the pillowcase or the, uh, the game bag. And then it just grabs all your sticks and bugs and whatever else is falling into your bucket while you're out collecting. And it, it does a phenomenal job. I've never had any issues with it at all. Uh, the other thing that you're going to need is a big burner and a big pot. So for us, I have one of those two burner Camp Chef uh, burners, and it works phenomenal. Uh, if you don't have one of them, just a regular like turkey deep fryer works good. And worst case scenario, if you have enough time on your hands and you have a small little lid, honestly, just boil it down over a fire. Or you can do it in your house, but it's 99% water. And in order for you to get like a liter of sap, you need to boil off like 100 liters of birch sap. So uh, to do it in your house for that long, like you're boiling this stuff for you know 8 to 12 hours kind of a thing. So I wouldn't recommend doing the, the whole... Uh, process in your house that's just going to create so much moisture and possibly mold and mildew and stuff so it is best to do it outside but if I mean if you're curious enough and desperate enough you can do it inside but I do not recommend that whatsoever now while you're out uh, collecting all your sap off the trees one thing that's always refreshing to me is to grab the cup right off the tree and just have a nice great big swig of it fresh from the tree uh it is it's like the one of the best vitamin waters you'll ever taste in your life especially if it's you know like minus one in the morning and there's just that little slight little crust of ice 
on top take that ice peel it off and take a swig of that man is it ever good and uh if you want to learn like the health benefits of just straight birch water uh you should just google it and see uh all the list and benefits that come from the birch water and a birch tree in general like this that's like the magical tree of the bush like there's there's so many benefits and stuff that you can get out of a birch tree it's just it's phenomenal uh one thing i will caution you about though uh if you drink too much uh just straight birch sap it is a laxative uh i learned the hard way by doing that um but you do have to drink a lot so if you're going to go out and drink one or two cups fresh off the tree it's you're fine there like you don't have anything to worry about uh if you start drinking like six you you're gonna want to bring toilet paper with you uh it'll start to work its way through your system and it uh it does a really good job actually <laughs> but uh yeah if you want to if you do want to drink it it's perfectly fine it, it does take quite a bit for uh for the laxative side to kick in but uh just to give you a little bit of a, a warning that it uh, it does work. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and then uh, once you start to boil it down to, uh, you know, it's a it's an all day ordeal. Uh, for me, I usually collect sap for well, I take a day to tap all my trees. And then it's probably about two days of collection. And then after that, it's at least a day or two to boil everything down. Uh, basically, I got I get two big pots on my burners going. You fill it right up, whatever, you know, two inches from the rim. Turn on your burners and just let it boil and steam. Uh, once it gets cooked down or reduced by about half just top it up with new fresh sap and i'll do that until i'm completely out of sap and until it starts to turn kind of like a real dark brown and then i make sure i i'll turn it off transfer everything into one pot and then that's when i bring it inside the house to finish it off uh when it's getting close to being done like i take a spoon and i'm constantly uh, tasting it to make sure there's no bitter there's no burn and stuff but once it starts to get like a a deep dark brown instead of cooking it on high I'll turn it down to a medium and instead of boiling it kind of turns more into like a simmer and then that way you're able to simmer it down nice and slow and kind of like smooth almost and then there's no chance of getting it a little too hot kind of a thing uh, but you'll see on the very top There'll be like a little skim of orangey brown kind of foam and froth that start to develop. And once you have a nice like even layer across the whole top, it's pretty well done. After that, it seems like uh, you start to lose a bit of the sweetness and you start getting more of a bitter taste to it. Uh, I mean, and you can stop it before that if you want to use it more for like a marinade kind of a thing. But for me... I like it more thick, so I use it more or less for syrup instead of like a marinade. 
but you know as it's cooking down uh, I have my spoon constantly tasting it make sure it's still sweet and then also I'll have a spoon full of it and it's just like when you're making jam or jelly you know you turn your spoon to dump it out and when it goes off your spoon but then kind of rides back up to the back side of that spoon and tries to kind of ride the spoon a little bit before dropping down then you know that it's starting to get a little bit thicker uh you kind of can do a plate test like what you do with jams and jellies where you take a spoonful of it put it onto a plate run your finger through and watch how fast it kind of comes back after separates uh unfortunately it is syrup so it's it's not really gonna separate and then slowly come back what i do is i put it on like the outside rim of the plate and i just kind of rotate it so it's kind of spread out and then i basically tap my finger on it and see how long it takes for the size to get sticky uh that's kind of the best way i can describe that but uh pretty well once it starts to turn dark brown almost a black color and you have that foam on top and you taste it and it's nice and sweet that call it good enough uh you know i'd rather undercook it slightly instead of overcook it uh if you overcook it and it turns bitter nobody likes that it's well no some people might like it it's kind of like uh i don't know you'd be like expecting milk chocolate and you're and you bite into dark chocolate you know some people like dark chocolate but if you're expecting something sweet and savory kind of a thing and you get a mouthful of dark chocolate you're not going to be overly too happy about it and uh and this stuff too like it tastes phenomenal it's like a mixture of caramel molasses and maple syrup kind of combined it's it is just phenomenal stuff and uh i have a jar of it here that i just finished up yesterday if you're just listening to it, you can't uh, you can't exactly see, but if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see how dark that is. When you shake it up in your mason jar, it sticks to the to the glass there, and yeah, it's it's well, it's just phenomenal stuff, and it tastes great. Uh, while you're boiling it too, uh, one thing that should be mentioned is you'll see little brown flakes kind of starting to float around in it and i'm pretty sure what that is is just the natural sugars kind of melting and then binding to each other and that's what creates the dark color too because like right now you know it's it's all that real dark blackish brown looks like crude oil kind of a color and uh i'm pretty sure that's just all the sugars they got hot enough to where they caramelized and then they bonded together and created syrup. Also, if if you haven't uh, seen the video, I just finished uh, editing up the video for making this batch of syrup. Uh, if you want to go on to our YouTube channel and check that out, uh, yeah, I believe the title is uh, Birch Syrup from Start to Finish. And then the thumbnail is a picture of all my retzel lookups in the trees and then on the left side uh there's a picture of all the jars and then while you're there you might as well subscribe to the channel too 
so you can stay up to date on all our videos coming out. But uh, if for whatever reason you can't find us on YouTube or you can't find our video or you just don't want to watch it, uh, you can watch how people make maple syrup. And it's basically the identical process, just a different tree. And their taps are a little bit different, you know. I'm not going to spend a pile of money on fancy metal taps with hooks and little uh, fancy buckets that hook onto that and all of that. We don't need that. We're pretty uh, pretty low class around here. We make things work. But, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's one thing that I highly encourage everybody to, to kind of give her a try in the spring. Plus, you know, it's it's really nice when you're able to, you know, it's extremely family friendly. Anyone can go out, even if you have like a, whatever, one month old child, you can still bring them out there. You know, and there's no loud noises. There's nothing dangerous is happening. You know, it's it's very very easy to take anyone and everyone out with you. Uh, you know, you just pack up the truck. Have all your supplies in the truck. Find a nice little stand of birch trees. And honestly, like, even if you just want to tap one or two just to taste the birch uh, sap and not make syrup, it's still enjoyable uh, and rewarding to do to go out there and give her a, uh, give her a try. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, at the end of the day, you end up getting uh, just some phenomenal syrup and some amazing water and uh oh, it all tastes good one thing that i'm also pretty excited about is uh we were finally able to get that uh, starlink internet uh, i've been on a waiting list for that for uh, it had to be two years uh basically what starlink internet is if you don't know what it is uh it's satellite internet uh the difference between Guys like Starlink and other satellite internets is Starlink is like low low orbiting where they're a couple hundred clicks from the Earth instead of like whatever it is, a thousand kilometers or however it works. Where it's much lower than all the other internet satellites. So when your speeds are much, much faster. Uh, like if you get ExploreNet, they're a, a big satellite uh provider with those guys like your top speeds are like 15 to 25 megabytes per second and i mean it'll get the job done uh, i don't think you'll really be able to watch stuff in 4k or or stream like live stream overly too good but you can still watch movies you can still play games and check your emails and all that stuff where with Starlink, because they're low orbiting, and then also they're uh, the way they talk to each other, like the satellites, uh, they kind of use lasers almost to talk to the one that's coming into the field of view, kind of a thing. Where the other ones, the only way you have internet is if you have a direct connection to the satellite, and once it's out of its field of view, it has to connect to the next one. And then you can kind of have a little bit of like latency problems or lag or whatever. You know, very slow internet while it connects to the next one. Where Starlink, it's low orbiting. 
so you already have faster internet but as it's as satellite one is kind of coming over top of your sky and it's kind of getting out of range and satellite two is coming in what they have now is satellite one will shoot across to satellite two with like a laser type of thing and it'll communicate while your satellite dish is trying to communicate with number one and two at the same time so when there's kind of like a constant loop almost so when there's very very little to almost no lag or latency problems or slow internet kind of a thing and uh, for me out here uh, the speeds that I get is slightly worse than other people and that's only because of where I have it set up at uh, unfortunately around my yard there's a ton of trees so there's one little strip that's kind of open that I can set up my uh, satellite there. And, uh, you know, I'm getting between 10 to 100 megabytes per second. And that's out here with a bunch of obstructions and trees. And then the, the house is here too. So it's not ideal where I have the satellite. I'm sure if I moved it or put it up on a big pole kind of a thing, then I would get what everybody else is typically getting. And that's anywhere between 100 to 250 megabytes per second and that's with satellite internet uh, a lot of people with fiber optic stuff in like Port St. John they see 100 to 150 megabytes per second so with this being uh, just a remote rule internet I mean you can use it in town too if you really want to uh, I don't see a reason why you'd want to spend this much money on that but Anyways, it will work in town, but I'm way out in Buick in the kind of the middle of the bush, and I have internet that's just as fast as people that live in town. It's a it's a phenomenal thing. It I haven't had internet for uh, it's been about ten years now. I've just been using the internet on my phone or one of those small little mobile hotspots. I had one of them for about two years. And then I end up just tossing that thing in the trash. It it ran its course. But uh, one thing is that it is a bit expensive. Uh, you have to buy the hardware all up front. And uh, with that, I had a deposit down on mine to put me on a waiting list. Uh, but now you don't have to put the deposit down. You can just buy the hardware. And I think it's $700 for the equipment. And then once it's sent to you, it's $140 per month. Uh, and that's for unlimited high-speed internet. And then uh, just, I think it was about two days ago, I got an email from Starlink saying that I'm eligible for the uh, portability. So the portability means I can unhook, unhook it from the house. And as long as I am within the areas that uh, is available for Starlink, for us, uh, you know, out in Bear Camp, it's pretty well going to be on the edge. Uh, if I was going to go up to like Fort Nelson kind of a thing, it's not available up there, so I wouldn't be able to bring it up the highway. But right around in here, this country, uh, I'm able to just shut it all down, pack it all up, throw it into the holiday trailer, and if I go to Bear Camp, Graham River, Halfway, Williston Lake, Moberly, Tumblr Ridge, they're all in the availability map. 
So pretty well, no matter where I go within like the kind of southern half of the peace region, uh, I can have high speed internet now, which is really cool. And I almost feel like a city slicker when I'm talking about it because it's to me like you don't really realize how much internet a guy uses until you don't have it kind of thing. But for me, it's kind of the opposite way. I never realized how uh, youthful internet is until I got it back kind of a thing. So, like, most of the time I would save all my stuff that I had to do on the internet when I got to work. Or the odd time I'd run the hotspot on my cell phone. But then you end up burning up all your uh, internet real quick on your phone. But uh, now that I have it out here, I'm pretty well constantly on it. And uh, when it comes time to, like, upload a video, I don't have to wait till I'm at work. I just do it here. It, the internet's faster here anyways than it is at work. Uh, the video I just uploaded of the birch syrup, I believe it's about 22 minutes. And uh, before on my hotspot, that would take probably three hours to upload. At work, it would take probably about four hours to upload. Here, it was uploaded, uh, monetized, all my ads were placed, and all my ad suitability questionnaires were done in about 20 minutes. So, like, it's, it's a game changer if you're doing, like, content creation like I do. You know, it's, it's kind of weird being a guy that host a podcast and has a YouTube channel and uh didn't have internet. <laughs> it was it was pretty hard to explain to people how I was doing this with no internet. But uh but yeah, now I have Starlink. So uh come bear season here when we head out to bear camp, uh I'm gonna bring it with us and I'm gonna see how it works out there. I honestly think it'll work better out there because we'll be on an old and abandoned lease where it's wide open and there's no trees and there's no no obstructions so honestly in the holiday trailer out in bear camp the internet's gonna work faster and better than it will at home which is pretty cool and uh you know for the most part it is gonna be just for uh uploading videos uploading podcasts maybe do a live stream or something like that uh but let's be honest, there's going to be some Netflix and, and movies being watched while we're out there too. Which would be pretty cool if there's a day where it's just raining and muddy and sloppy and we can't go anywhere, fire up the generator, turn on the internet, watch movies. <laughs> Why not? We're out there to have fun and enjoy ourselves, so might as well, uh, might as well bring it with us. Use it while we have it. Uh Plus the portability too, it's an extra 30 bucks a month. I don't know if I mentioned that or not, I can't remember. But uh, yeah, for another $30 a month, it's it's no big deal. At the end, it's $170 a month for unlimited internet almost anywhere you go. Uh, but uh, yeah, and also with the portability too... Uh, Reading on all the terms and services, and I've read everything uh, that they've sent me, it sounds like you can turn it off and on when you need it. So, like, for the month of May and June, I'll have it on because I'll be in bear camp and I'll be using it. 
like a ton out in bear camp and then in july if i'm sitting around at home and i'm not traveling with it i can turn the portability off and then it just gets cut off from the uh from the bill cycle and it'll just drop back down to 140 bucks a month so like that part's pretty cool uh you know that, that's neat how uh you can kind of pick and choose when you need it so that's uh yeah that's a that's a big bonus to me because i know some years i travel all over the place you know i'll bring that with me to whatever bear camp prince rupert tumbler ridge dawson creek area boot lake one island whatever and then some years like this year because of, like the price of fuel and stuff i'm not really going to be going anywhere or you know for whatever maybe two shifts off i'll go somewhere like may and june i'll be in bear camp july i'll probably be sitting at home uh august maybe we'll go to the river and uh so if i need it for may and june i can turn portability on for july i don't need it turn it off save 30 bucks if i'm out on the river in august or september i can turn it back on spend another 30 bucks a month and then when i'm back home october november december turn it off save money you know so it, it's really cool that they give you that option where you can turn it on and off it's not just a solid here you go we're gonna charge you an extra 30 bucks a month for something that you're only going to use uh whatever a handful of times per year for me i'll use it more than the average person however if you're living in tumblr ridge and you turn portability on because you're going to charlie lake for the weekend and you want to bring it with you so your kids can watch movies or whatever and if that was the only time that you used it and it was just either on all the time or off all the time and they charge you an extra 30 bucks a month to use it you know one weekend that uh that'd be kind of a pain you know it it is only $30 per month, but at the end of the year, it, that adds up to, you know, what is that, 360 bucks. So, uh, yeah, I really appreciate that you're able to actually pick and choose when you need it and when you when you don't. Uh, part of us going out to bear camp here this spring, too. Uh, I mentioned it before. We're, uh, we're going to be looking for some mushrooms and wild edibles uh one well two of the books that i got here the national audubon society field guide to mushrooms that's gonna be coming with us uh also got this wild edible mushrooms of british columbia book and these things too like they're more or less just kind of guides uh if there's any lookalikes whatsoever i highly doubt i'll even chance uh eating the mushroom but there's there's a couple that i'll i'll for sure give a go uh i don't know it's one of those things where you have to kind of get to be smart about it but i mean at, at the end of the day they're mushrooms so it is going to be a little risky kind of a thing but uh for the most part you know like if there's chanterelles, uh, chicken in the woods, hen in the woods, uh, 
Shaggy Manes, Morales. They're all pretty straightforward kind of a thing. Uh, so with those ones, as far as I know, there's not there's hardly any lookalikes for those ones. So they're like a, a pretty safe one to eat and try. So with those, I'll I'll risk it. Uh, if anything, I'll eat it the first time, the second time. If nothing happens to me the second time, I'll feed it to other people. Maybe start with Shelby and Blaine. And then from there, we'll, we'll work, work our way down the family lines or <laughs> the outer friendship circles kind of a thing. Uh, yeah, I don't really want to, don't really want to poison anybody. So uh, we'll, we'll take her slow and easy with the mushrooms. And then the other book I got here is the Boreal Herbal. I've had this book for several years now. I think I picked this up uh, one trip when we were heading. We were either heading to or coming back from Prince Rupert or Stuart. I think it was Stuart. And then the, when you're going through one little small town, there's a, uh, well, I don't know what you want to call it. We'll, we'll just call it a little shop on the right-hand side of the highway. It's like a little convenience store kind of a thing. It's a, I don't think they sell fuel. But, uh, yeah, we'd stop in there and they got all kinds of books like that and little memorabilia and things. And It's kind of an oddball of a place, but that's where I picked that up from. And, uh, yeah, and then uh, Blaine's buddy was telling him about the book too. And then Blaine ended up picking one up. So now every time Blaine heads out to the bush there, he brings out his Boreal Herbal book, and uh, yeah, he's slowly learning more and more things, just like I am about the bush and wild edibles and stuff. You know, it's it's pretty neat, everything that uh, we have just right here around us, uh, the amount of, of knowledge and stuff that are in some of these books and all the stuff that you can learn from them is just astronomical, like... Uh, one of the berries that I found, I had no idea what it was. I asked Dad about it. He wasn't 100% sure about it. So I came home and opened up my book, and it was a uh, soap berry. And uh, what really got me is that they were kind of like ripe and sweet and ready to eat in, uh, I want to say at the end of June, beginning of July. So it was like, it was early for every other berry. But, uh, yeah, this year I think I'm going to go back to where I found them. And uh, I'm going to pick a bunch of them and uh, make up some jam because it was like a, a really tasty berry. But it was one of those things where I've seen it grow in a handful of places. One was up the road here where I'm going to go back and pick some. And then others was uh, in a friend's yard. Again, down the road, but the other direction. And... Uh, other than that, I don't think I've really seen them uh, in the wild. So it was it was a head-scratcher for me. But because I have the Boreal Herbal book, I opened up to page whatever it was and looked at all the berries. And, oh, yeah, there it is. Nice little picture of it, a description, uh, what you can use it for. You know, So, uh, yeah, it's a great book to have if you're uh, into the woods and into wild edibles and all that good stuff. Uh, also another thing I I might be doing, I'm not too sure, I might wait until kind of later on in June or July, 
is I think this year I'm going to be doing a lot more little campouts and stuff. Uh, you know, little overnight camping trips with the tent or sleeping bags and uh, tarps. You know, it's... I, this year we're kind of... You know, we're really stuck on where we can go and what we can do. Uh, so fortunately, it seems like people do enjoy the campout videos. And, uh, you know, it's a great way to bring people along as well. You know, I've brought Shelby out with me. I've brought Blaine out with me. Uh, maybe one of the ones in June or July, we can convince Blaine and his woman Courtney to come out with us. Do a little campout, you know, under a tarp or something like that. Uh, and if I do do those, basically what'll happen is I'll have all my bear hunts, uh, filmed and edited and scheduled, and then this camping stuff, it'll be filmed and edited, and then I'll have it scheduled so it comes out, you know, throughout the summer and then into the fall kind of a thing. Uh, you know, that's one thing that kind of sucks about living up north here is... May, June, July, August, and September, I'm able to film like crazy. Uh, you know, all the camping I can do, the hunting, the fishing, and it it's just awesome. The problem is, though, I want to schedule one video to come out every Friday. Uh, and if you've been kind of subscribed to the YouTube channel for a while, you would have noticed that last year. I was still airing chicken hunts into December because I would go out on my days off. I'd hunt for three days and I'd have three videos. So that was three weeks of videos I'd have after one week. Now if you do that for all four weeks of September, I mean that's three, six, nine, that's 12 videos that you end up having. So that's three months uh so unfortunately it might kind of cut into some stuff this fall but uh i can always kind of spread it out too or a lot of times what i end up doing is i'll put up a video friday like a main video friday every second monday is this podcast and then every other monday i might just drop in one of the other videos too that way i don't get overly too far ahead uh, but then come winter, it is nice to be able to stretch things out by quite a bit because up here, our weather is so, so strange and crazy where like this week, uh, it was minus three snowing, raining, sleet, got three inches of snow overnight, like three days in a row kind of a thing. That sort of kind of warmed up during the day but the wind was blowing so it would just kind of pack all the snow down overnight it was snow again yesterday was minus five today is supposed to be plus 13 so <laughs> we kind of get the same crazy weather patterns in the winter as well uh and then unfortunately because i do work a week on week off there's times where during my week off it's seven days of minus 40 and wind blowing and then i go back to work and it'll be minus five clear blue skies sunny weather it's just beautiful gorgeous weather 
but I'm at work, so I can't go out and I can't do anything. And then, uh, again, come back, you have like one or two really nice days, so we quickly pack up all the stuff, run out to the lake, hope like hell you catch fish, <laughs> do a, a day or two of filming, and then the, the wind picks up, big snowstorm comes in, or it gets cold again, and uh, it is a bit of a struggle some weeks. So, uh, I don't know, those, those camping ones, if it's like January, and all of a sudden I'm sleeping in a tent outside, uh, don't be overly too surprised, kind of a thing. Uh, it's, it's kind of a catch-22, because with YouTube, you want to keep like the algorithm kind of happy, where if you're consistent, then it kind of, it realizes that you're one of the, I don't want to say top performers or whatever, anything crazy like that, but you're one of the consistent people. They, they kind of rely on you to, to produce a video every Friday. So then they kind of push you out a little bit more than somebody that kind of puts a video out once a month or once every two or three months, whenever they kind of feel like it kind of a thing. Uh, so I, I really want to keep that role going. Plus, uh, if you're a subscriber and you're looking forward to a video coming out on Friday, if it's February and it's minus 30 and you get to watch a video of me camping out when it was plus 10 or plus 20, it would almost be a nice little break instead of seeing me freeze on the ice somewhere. But, uh, <laughs> oh, well, we'll uh, that's, that's all for future stuff here uh you know in, in bear camp this year too <clears throat> what i really want to do is focus uh a little more on cooking side of things probably what i'll do is i'll do like uh catch clean and cook videos depending on how long the hunts last for uh another thing i might do is little cooking segments as well uh I've, I've done that in the past and some do good, some just kind of flop, but whatever. It's It gives some people some ideas on uh, how to cook and how to treat their meat kind of a thing, especially when it comes to bear meat. Uh, I, I really don't think too many people hunt bears because they have no clue on how to cook the meat. Uh, and that's where I really want to step it up a little bit here this spring uh, when it comes to cooking uh, I have a few ideas that I want to do uh, one's like a skirt steak stir fry and I think it's the skirt steak whatever you call the diaphragm on the inside uh, it's the diaphragm and then that little flap that's right underneath the ribs kind of a thing you know most of the time when we're butchering something we grab that, we cut all the way around, we grab that big flab of real thin meat, and we throw it out because it's in the way. And that's just, that's just the honest truth. You know, we've never really used it other than maybe a couple of, no, no, I can't even say that we put it into the burger pile. Because usually if you leave that attached, and you hang your meat once it's dry, because with wild game you know it's it's not like a a cow or something like that where it's you know actually like half inch thick or an inch thick kind of a thing with wild game it's like 
whatever, three-eighths to half-inch thick. By the time it dries up from being hung, if you go to trim it, you're going to have just the like a quarter-inch of, of meat where this way what I'll do is I'll, I'll gut the bear. I'll take the, the, the skirt steak. I'll cut it off. I'll throw it in the fridge. And that day or the next day is when we'll cook it up. And then that way it doesn't, uh, get that dry crust on the outside and, uh, we'll actually be able to use it. Uh, another weird one, uh, that I want to try too is bear head tacos. So on top of a bear head right here, you can feel on the, on the skull of the bear, there's a big ridge that runs down the top of their head. Uh, it's the same ridge that your dog has too. And on each side, there's usually a couple of like good size roasts, depending on the size of the bear that you got. Uh, but it's like a big chunk of meat on both sides. So I kind of want to skin one of the heads out. Pull that meat off. Maybe pull the meat off their cheeks. I'm not so sure about the cheeks though. Because I think that would be extremely tough. But the stuff on top of their head. I think it'll be excellent meat to eat. Uh, I mean meat is meat. It doesn't matter if it comes off of the head or the tenderloin. It's uh, it's still just red muscle. So I, I really want to try that out. Uh, also I want to render down some bear fat. And make some lard. Uh, whether we use it for cooking or somebody wants to make a pie with it, or if you just want to, you know, use it to waterproof your boots, whatever. I just want to give her a go. Uh, I don't think I've ever rendered it down before, but it's pretty simple. Uh, by the looks of it, you just get like a cast iron pot, put in your bear fat on a low heat and let it slowly melt. And once it's totally melted off and you have little, chunks of kind of cooked bear fat it's done jar it and you're good to go like it sounds extremely simple and i'm pretty sure it is that simple uh, i watched several videos of it and uh yeah if you can melt butter you can render bear fat so <laughs> we'll definitely give that a try uh also like bear ribs i want to make bear ribs uh you know pretty well when you talk to people when it comes to cooking bear, there's sausage, smokies, and roasts. There's no such thing as stir fries, tacos, ribs, anything like that. Because I think so many people are so worried and scared about getting trichinosis. And they just don't want to attempt it at all. The way I'm going to go about it, uh, things like stir fry tacos you know nachos whatever you're making there i'm just gonna cook it till it's well done you know if you're a little bit worried about it just cook it five more minutes like whatever when it comes to ribs basically i'll probably just cut them up into i don't know maybe three inch sections kind of a thing probably boil them for five ten minutes because water boils much higher than 160 degrees i can't remember what it boils at it boils at 100 degrees uh celsius and i'm not too sure what that is in fahrenheit but it'll kill trichinosis 
And once as I kind of cook them by boiling them, I'll take them out, I'll let them chill, I'll dry them all off. And then from there is when I'll treat them like any other ribs or piece of meat where they're already cooked, they're dried off, they're cooled. Now let's cook it like regular meat. So that's when I'll put on like a dry rub or whatever. And I think in this case what I'm going to do is I might try deep frying them, possibly deep frying them in bare lard. And I'm going to cook them up kind of like Charlie Lake ribs. If you've ever been up in the Peace region and you've gone through Charlie Lake, you got to stop in a Charlie Lake store and get some of their ribs. They are top-notch stuff. Uh, if you're worried about your weight or you're on a diet, I don't suggest eating them. But uh, they're, they're pretty good if you if you don't mind a little grease. Uh, they're definitely a treat. I'll eat them once every three months or so now, if that. It's been, I think, last winter sometime is when I ate them last. But, yeah, they're, uh, they're a treat for sure. <laughs> And then uh, one other thing I want to try doing too is uh, marinating marinating some in uh, some birch syrup. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to do maybe like a sweet teriyaki, honey, garlic, stir fry kind of a thing where I'm going to use the birch syrup as like kind of the main base of it and uh, marinate it in that and then cook it off and just see kind of what happens i'm not overly too sure or i could use it as a glaze like if i make bare ribs twice maybe the first time i deep fry them second time i do the same thing where i boil them up dry them up and uh chill them kind of thing and then i use birch syrup as like a, a glaze almost and then if you just slow roast them in the barbecue uh it might reduce it even more so you have like a, a sticky glaze uh, on your ribs, so, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I just want to make it so people realize that bear meat is just as versatile as any other meat, whether it's moose, deer, elk, beef, uh, you know, one thing, too, is I, I really don't think people realize that anything you cook with beef you can make with wild game so if i take it a step further and i can cook anything with bear meat you know what's stopping you from going out hunting getting yourself your first deer and then cooking you know nachos <laughs> tacos making a roast making a steak uh you know whatever it is uh just give her a try i know a lot of people when they cook wild game for some reason, they get it in their head that it's some weird thing they have to cook just a certain special way, and it's slightly have to because it's so lean. You can't cook it with high heat. You cook it on medium to low heat, and you cook it longer. Other than that, there's no difference whatsoever. So, uh, yeah, hopefully if people watch what I do with bear meat, They'll take it and go, well, if he can do that with bear, I can do that with deer or moose. Because I've done it with beef before. And, uh, yeah, just simplify cooking. And uh, hopefully it gets you guys to experiment with your cooking as well. But, uh, yeah, 
guys, I think that's going to be it here for this podcast. Uh, I really hope you enjoyed listening and watching to this. Again, if you are just watching and you want to listen to it, search the Buick Outdoors podcast on all major podcast platforms. And if you're just listening to this and you want to actually see my ugly mug, uh, head over to our YouTube channel called Buick Outdoors. And there's a playlist for all of our podcasts there. There's also a playlist for hunting, fishing, outdoor adventures, how-to videos. And uh, there's going to be a few more coming up on like... uh, I think I named it Holiday Trailer Life or RV Living or something like that. Just to kind of give you some tips and tricks on your uh, holiday trailer. Because I basically live in mine in the summer and fall. But anyways guys, hope you like it. If you did, hit the like button uh, down in the corner. If you're watching this on YouTube. Uh, subscribe to our channel. Leave us a comment or two. Let us know how you like it. Uh, and if you're just listening to this, maybe give us a little... Uh, review or rating on the podcast platform that you're listening to it and uh yeah guys get you on the next one done drinking out of the toilet all right friend oh your mom's not done dying yet either i'm sorry lots of noise